0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, sometimes with some friends. My name is Carl Bruggerman. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's time once again for another installment of Favorites with Friends. And this is a really special installment because we're here with our good friend, Andrew Lean, who has been a day one listener of this podcast. Andrew, you've been The longest listener we have. (laughs) Yeah, since like we were not even a podcast when we Uh. were borderline just like a blog that uploaded audio files. Yeah.
1: I think there's a little bit of a story for that too. Um, also, thanks for having me. Uh, of course, I think I've kind <laughs> of wanted to do this like for a long time. Uh, I'm but-
0: surprised it took us this long to <laughs> organize this because I feel like we've been talking about this. You were one of the first people we mentioned when we talked about doing yeah. mm-hmm, favorites with friends idea, but that was like what, like four or five years ago now. Oh, it's longer than <laughs> it's that. It's crazy to think of how how long it's been.
2: We started the show in February of 2012. And I'm trying to remember the first time we met, Andrew. It was in Winona at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, so... Pro-
2: years before that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, we were both, you know, in the band in college.
2: It was probably... Yeah, it was probably in 2006 or 7.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if we were, we were more acquaintances at the time. I know we had, like, mutual friends in band. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's how I got turned on to your podcast, was one of our mutual friends from the band posted on facebook that you guys were doing a video game music podcast i'm like oh i didn't know he was into that stuff so i like who started was listening. that it was nick actually
2: oh, okay
1: <laughs> yeah because um, i had him on facebook and he's like yeah you should listen to this and you know uh check it out so i did and at the time i had like a really long bus commute so i would just you know listen to a bunch of podcasts and stuff um and that that's yeah, awesome so i had plenty of time to just you know sit and listen to you guys and
2: I- you know, that's awesome that, that I didn't know that Nick posted that because I actually worked with Nick uh, a couple other times later. He, he's a really good uh, engineer, actually. He kind of has his own home studio oh, yeah. now. But uh, I worked with him a long time ago, this, like, funk band that I was in. Basically, in college, we recorded this live album uh, at the Hideaway Studio, and he yeah. was the engineer for that. I do. A
1: great I do guy. remember seeing your Apartment Four show once too at Ed's. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Apartment
0: Four was Carl's college band, and it was very yep. VGM influenced. For <laughs> any of you who are confused, we did have a song literally called
2: Hydrosity, and it was musically it was Hydrosity, but I like put lyrics to it and, and made it a. <laughs> like a band
0: song. You also did a um, version of uh, Sheeta's Decision from Laputa Castle in the that Sky. That is true. That is true. Well,
2: okay, before we talk about what we're hearing right now, Andrew, why don't you quickly say your first impression of our podcast and maybe, uh, in your opinion, how, how it's changed over the years for you as a listener.
1: Um. So I guess my first impression, I think I was just like thought it was really cool that i knew someone with a podcast probably <laughs> and for something that i was also super interested in i mean i've been playing games my whole life probably like you guys too and you know yeah i've been involved in music somewhat throughout my life like you know i was in band and college and stuff not a lot of people do that you know past high school or even middle school but i kept with it but um yeah other than that i just thought it was cool um but like looking back i remember going back to some episodes and I've just seen how far you guys have come as far as like how good you are at the podcast format and just how you know about talking oh, about you. things. Well, that, you know, that reminds me. Uh, yeah. We need
0: to take an ad from Squarespace now. Squarespace, <laughs> Squarespace, Squarespace. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, stamps.com. for real though,
1: like I tried doing a, a small little podcast before and it's a difficult skill. Like you have to learn it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just yeah. do it right away unless you have experience in like, I don't know, broadcasting or something like that, but it's definitely a learned skill.
0: Well thank you so, so much. That, well, that's congratulations, really man. That's that's really awesome. I think one of the things that I feel most excited about is um just amongst so many of our listeners are all these passionate and well educated people about music and video game music. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun on our Discord, you know, people have these really um fun funny intellectual discussions about game music and now the recent trend is it seems like everyone is starting their own video game music podcast and it it makes me ins- excited to think that hopefully in some part, you know, us doing a podcast has inspired others to want to do their own thing to discuss the music that they love. That makes me really happy. Absolutely. Well, what you guys just heard
2: was a really dance track called, it's a weird title, it's Buggy Running Beeps 01. Yep. That's officially the name of that track. It's from the game Rez. Uh, that was composed by Keiichi Sugiyama. That was the first track on Andrew's playlist today. So tell us a little bit about Rez and your experience with that game, Andrew?
1: Oh, Rez is one of my favorite music games ever. It's, I mean, I know it's maybe not as melodic as the kind of stuff you guys are into, and that might be a theme running through some of the tracks on here, but there's also some Mm -hmm. that you're obviously going to recognize. But but yeah, I got really into like techno and stuff in college, just like listening uh, to it and doing homework. And, you know, this game came around, uh, around then or at least i was able to play it around then um mm-hmm. and they you know it's just a really cool rhythm action shooter game um mm-hmm. really trancey, really like i don't even know how to describe it they use the word synesthesia when i looked it up on wikipedia you know it's cool it's an experience for sure and they have it in the resident infinite is in vr and they added a new level to it so there's another track they added to it mm. as well it's a just a Phenomenal experience in VR. I would recommend it to anyone. That's can. awesome.
0: One of my favorite things about that track was the way it recontextualizes the rhythm. Because whenever you yeah. hear something without drums, I think our bias is to you perceive think you know where the on one strong is. beats. Because you hear <laughs> oh, it almost as yeah. bum, 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 bum. But then eventually you find out it's bum, bum, bum.
1: bum right. Yeah, that's really bum. cool.
0: And I really love when a piece of music can do that.
2: I'm
1: a big sucker for that in music.
2: This will be an interesting favorites with friends episode because i can tell based on your playlist that some of this music is going to go outside of will and my wheelhouse which will be interesting to see that happen right well let's start off um with something that's very much in our <laughs> wheelhouse uh we're going to move on to a track from Star Fox for the super nintendo and andrew brought in corneria a classic track this is composed by hijime hirisawa let's take a listen to corneria guys listening to Corneria what a jam this is from Star Fox composed by Hajime Hirasawa someone that sadly left video games shortly after it's an amazing score so let's talk about Star Fox uh, tell us about your your memories this is an old game when did you first play this
1: Um, I think I actually watched my cousin play it first actually and uh, mm. I probably played the 64 game more than the original um, yeah but this me track too. when I heard it first I was just like what is this? It's so, like, fast and rocking, and I just, like, Kind of proggy at times, yeah. too. Yeah, and it's, I'm actually it's kind a... of into prog, too, so that maybe that makes a little bit of sense. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling, like, a lot of kids had this experience with the truck like this where you didn't even know how to describe it, but you knew that you liked it, and you knew there was something really fresh and bold about it. And yeah. there's a lot of old video game music like this where, in some ways, it was kind of showing... Someone at a young age, you know, a kid, a new type of music that would lead them down a, a whole different right. path, which I think well, is really cool. Well, I think
0: it's also just so accessible. I mean, the the kind of cool yeah. synth colors and the Super Nintendo music gets to be so eclectic because of those primitive, you know, PCM samples. But uh, a track like this just is so pure. You know, the one, six, seven, one thing. But it's most of these... Uh, are they're like power chords? So they're it's it's unclear whether is the one chord major or minor. That little kind of minor has a minor quality to it. Yet what I always found interesting about this is the overtones of those samples really emphasize the fact that each one of those chords is a major triad. So it almost sounds like bum 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 bum. Like you almost yeah. can like hear that. Well, what I think the background. is so successful about this track
2: is it's very accessible and catchy and fairly simple for like most of the tune, but then there's just enough uh, kind of surprise. Like there's like a bridge section later on where it's almost like progressive film music. It's like a mixture of a few different genres.
0: Just, right. just really. Really great track. And then you have a classic video game B section. <laughs> like, that part sounds like it belongs so in, like, good. Mega Man 7. It's very Capcom-y. Mm-hmm. And I love the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just yeah, so I don't know colorful. What,
2: what you think, Andrew, but one thing I'll say about this track, Corneria, is this uh, was not continued for, like, the sound of the Star Fox series. Right. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, like, and I also love, you know the later games, and that was Koji Kondo, right, for 64.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Koji and um, Hajime Wakai, yep.
1: Yeah, and, like, I love that one as well, but, like, this one was just my first... That was the first level... There's a lot of first levels on my playlist, actually, but uh, we can talk about that later. But I mean, it's you know good to have a first impression. It really had a first impression on me. And even when right. you get to like the end boss on this level, there's like this really dark, like low, like ho oh, oh, ho oh. ho. I don't know if you remember that at all. But, yeah. Like that also was mm-hmm. just like kind of chilling. I was like, I'm into this game. This is yeah. Awesome. I love the
0: soundtrack to the Classic original Star game. Fox. I mean, it's a perfect blend of. Um, almost Star Warsian orchestral filmic sounding stuff, and then just kind of like rocking fusion y stuff like this. Yeah. Um, the one fun thing is if you ever play Star Fox 2, that game, though it wasn't composed by Hajime Hirasawa, is Yumiko Konki and somebody Arakawa, something Arakawa, I can never remember their name. Uh, they did that game and they did a really good job of kind of like carrying on the tradition that Hirosawa started. Our, I know our favorite track is that track Eladard, but it's almost using Corneria as a template because it starts with that same sort of delayed you know synth um
2: actually <laughs> it looks like it's um,
3: <laughs>
2: looks like it's Ishikawa Kazoe, oh, Ishikawa Kazoe Ishikawa yeah well let's move on uh this playlist is very diverse in generation which is cool let's move on to Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots and uh the piece that Andrew brought in from this game is called Metal Gear Saga composed by Harry Gregson Williams let's take a listen You guys are listening to Metal Gear Saga from Metal Gear Solid 4. This one is composed by Harry Gregson Williams. Um, Now, I'm fairly familiar with this composer. I know that he's worked in other games in the Metal Gear Solid series. So what other games did uh, Williams work on?
1: So I believe it was from 2 onward, um, but not 5. I think uh, once 5 came around, uh, they went with someone else. Um, But yeah, uh, since 2, he's been kind of... Composing the music for the games, and I, I love his stuff. And I remember hearing us noticing, you know, he's a film composer too, so yeah. I think I heard his stuff in like uh, Enemy of the State, probably some other movies oh, okay. too. And it, you know, it, it makes sense now after seeing that because, like, it's got a similar feel.
2: Well, yeah, and also, I mean, these games have so many cinematics, and so it is really important to bring that cinematic uh, energy to the music, and Gregson Williams definitely did that here.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: What's interesting listening to this now, because in my mind, Metal Gear Solid 4 is still like a new game, but listening to the score, it has such a, like, I don't know, early 2000s TV- Virtual instrument sounding. sounding. Like, it reminds me of Sean Callery a little bit. Or like the music to yeah, he was a 24 composer, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So I think this particular track, uh, the first version of it, kind of, was in 3. Um, but that was part of like a, a bigger theme. And this is kind of like right. just that Metal Gear Saga theme. Um, and this plays during the credits, I believe, for 4. Oh, okay. Um, so I think, you know, I have nostalgia for the first game. It's Metal Gear Solid... One is my favorite game of all time. and
2: It's a great game. I
1: have a lot of nostalgia for it. Um, the music probably isn't the best of the series, and so I had to kind of step back a little and be like, okay, what's my favorite stuff from the series? And I think this mm. kind of hits, hits the nail on the head for me, actually. Um, That's cool. Just probably the best version of the theme. And I, I heard that <laughs> they had to come up with a, a new theme, actually, because the original theme... Uh, used in one and two was very similar to uh, some more contemporary classical piece, so I think there was some copyright oh. issues with it. So that's I think why I this heard about yeah. That. So that's why this one was developed, I believe. But it's a that great, is great a really thing.
2: interesting. Well, we're going to be
0: exploring the series on the podcast in the future. Fear not,
1: everybody. Nice. It's going to be
0: a little confusing because there's different versions of the games, and a lot of them have very similar sounding names. Like I've heard people talk about that before because it's like you have mm-hmm. metal gear and then you have metal gear 2 solid snake and then you have metal gear solid <laughs> and then you have Mel- metal gear solid 2 something like snake eater like that they all well, have their snake there's two and
2: Solid twos I, I know that yeah i know right. that
0: there's there's the actual two and then there's a different two
1: <laughs> yeah and then there's the I remake to all
0: these ga- i i think i've only played the first one and it was a long time ago Oh, i played incredible. the first played one the and i also metal played on like the NES, um but.
2: i also played the remake on gamecube which is a great game um i can't right. remember what that one was the called. twin six the twin snakes yes yep. yeah that that's a great game and, and then i think i think i watched my friend play a little bit of two
1: yeah metal gear One and Two have a lot of good themes in there too a lot of like good 8-bit stuff so that'd be cool to hear yeah. you guys play some of that on here
2: Well, let's move on to, um, this is a sequel to a game that I know Andrew is a big fan of, and he brought something from that as well as this sequel. This is Hotline Miami 2, Wrong Number. And this particular piece of music was composed by, would you say is Carpenter Brute? That's how I would say it. That's correct. This is a track called Roller Mobster. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Roller Mobster from Hotline Miami 2, obviously, based on how freaking loud this is. Uh, <laughs> this is composed by Carpenter Brute. Anytime I see a Hotline Miami track in the playlist, I immediately turn down the volume on the file, like way, so way, You hold way, your way headphones down. away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's you know, the soundtrack, both of these soundtracks give Jay Kaufman a run for his money as far as, far as how loud they master them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what you want for this kind of music. So Andrew, you said in college when you started to really get into like electronic music, has that been a love that's uh, sustained throughout the rest of your life?
1: Um, Kind of. Not as much as it used to be. Um, mm. But this, like, this is an example of like a particular shift in what music I listen to. So, the oh. first Hotline Miami game had a bunch of Synthwave tracks in it, like this right. one. Like, Perturbator and stuff like that, but no mm-hmm. Carpenter Brew, that's why I picked, but I picked this one because it's one of my favorite uh, tracks in the series, but um, it got me to listen to, when I played the first Hotline Miami, it got me to listen to other Synthwave stuff, like, I was like, what is this? Like, I need to get more of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that was still around the time when, like, Synthwave was still kind of a new genre, Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie Drive probably also introduced a lot of people to the genre as well. Oh, yeah. Um, like
2: absolutely that
1: Kavinsky track in particular, um, and same for me, and then ever since I was just, like, you know, listening to more and more Synthwave, and, you know, I actually discovered Car- Carpenter Brute from similar artists, and then they put it in Hotline Miami, too, I'm like, oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a hyper-violent game, and it kind of fits, like, this track really fits that theme, so...
2: Is there, is there a big difference in maybe vibe of the game and the music between the first and second, or is it pretty similar?
1: Um, I would say it's kind of similar. Maybe two had more intense tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all kind of a similar feel, um, but there is actually quite a variety of, of stuff on there. It's not just, you know, all synth wave. Right. Very unique stuff. Um, yeah, give it a listen if you're into, like, unique... You know stuff like that so
2: yeah that's one of many examples today of uh, a soundtrack and a style that's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse and so i'm glad we were able to to play that uh not a lot of hotline miami representation on our po- i think the only representation we've had have been from other people like on f- uh listener show and tells and, and other fa- believe, favorites uh, and stuff i like that i track. believe
1: uh, for- yeah, I believe friend of the podcast, Tim Turry, also is in the oh, Carpenter Room. Oh, Tim. Yes. I miss him yeah. yeah. so much. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Because I, I remember seeing him post about it on Twitter a lot. I think he actually went to a show. I'm a little jealous, but oh, uh, he's very nice nice I haven't gotten to see him yet. But. Let's move I haven't on seen to... him in years. I, I, I hope it's he's been doing a while.
2: Okay. Let's move on to a game. Uh, this is called Lost Eden. Uh, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about this game from Andrew after we play this. This is composed by Stephanie Peak. This is Velociraptor Ride. You guys are listening to Velociraptor Ride from a game that we have absolutely no idea what this is. Uh, <laughs> this is Lost Eden. We've never heard of this. This is composed by Stephanie Peak. Tell us a little bit about your experience with Lost Eden, Andrew.
1: Sure. Yeah, so it was like from an old adventure game that I played in the 90s, um, you know, on the family PC, because that was what I had the game on back then.
3: Of um, course. I think
1: I got this game from like a like a book order or something like that. Um, and it's a game. It's <laughs> oh, an F&B, I remember those days. Yeah, it's an FMV game that where uh, humans and dinosaurs coexist, and you're trying to you know try to get these different uh, people from different lands to you know build and uh, prevent attacks from the the evil tyrants, the their you know tyrannosaur type hmm. uh, things. But yeah, it's not a very well known game, but a great soundtrack. Um, and this is a. I think you're supposed to pronounce his name as Stefan or something like that. Because it's actually a, a guy and he also Stéphane did Stefan yeah, Peak. I think I think that's right. I think he's French. Um but he uh
2: Apologies, Stephon. <laughs> you,
1: you might recognize him <laughs> from other cryo interactive games such as Dune. You actually played a track of his on the podcast before.
2: Ah yeah. very cool. Yeah, that oh my gosh, you know what? He did Mega Race, wow. That's, that's why I recognize his name, because we grew up with Mega Race. That was the, one of the first PC games that we ever played. On the first computer we got, I think it came with the computer, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he did. He, yeah. His, his style is definitely... Uh, it just kind of seeped in the, the mid-'90s PC yeah. music there. And I just
1: love his stuff. It's, like, so unique. If someone really wants to listen to something that's completely different... Than what's out there for video game music. Listen to this soundtrack. It's got all sorts of cool, weird, like world music type stuff like this. Um, there's like chanting, there's a lot of cool vocal stuff that he does with it. All just really interesting percussion, which I'm sure you can appreciate, Carl.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect for for a dinosaur game. Yeah. He has he does have a dark sound for sure. Well, apologies to Stefan for messing up your name, but I'm glad we got to play another track from him on the podcast. All right, let's move on to something very different. It could not be more different. I'm going from one of the darker tracks to definitely one of the brighter tracks on on the playlist today. This is from Banjo-Kazooie, composed by Grant Kirkhope. Andrew brought in Freezy Z Peak. Let's take a listen. guys listening to Freezy Z Peak, of course you are, from Banjo-Kazooie for the 64, composed by Grant Kirkhope. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about your experience with this game and why you brought this particular track in today.
1: I figured I just wanted to introduce everyone to a little-known composer uh, called Grant Kirkhope. That's really the only Very reason. Very
2: obscure name. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: Uh, the reason I picked this actually, I wanted to pick Treasure Trove Co. But the last favorites with friends episode had that, so I decided on oh, a different track. That's right. Apparently that wow. one's really good, and and a lot of people like Apparently. it. Apparently, so. yeah. Um, but this is another one of my favorites. Like it's got that like Christmassy, wintry sound to it, and it's still got that like oompa oompa stuff that you hear <laughs> in Magic Kazooie. So it's like definitely fitting for the game.
2: Yeah, one thing that's really effective is just kind of the, the wind-snow sound effect that is happening on a channel throughout almost the whole song, which is kind of, you kind of don't want to hear this this track without that.
1: Yeah. And I think I played this game later than most people. Like, I didn't get a 64 that I owned until, like, probably college or something, and I played these games and loved them, especially the music.
2: You know, that was, that was similar to us, Will. We didn't actually own a 64
0: until many years later. Yeah, I grew up playing N64 games on a PC emulator. So I didn't even know know. about the analog stick. I had to play Mario 64 (laughs) running at full speed, controlling them with the arrow keys.
3: Yeah.
1: For me, it was either that or I borrowed one from a friend. We actually did like a console swap. I swapped my PS1 with him for his N64 for a little bit, and then we swapped back. So,
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Fun. Yeah, that's, that's probably a reason why we have a big blind spot for PS one in generals because we never
0: owned a PS one ever. Like eventually also, I we think did. We were buy so a staunchly Nintendo um, <laughs> that like, I don't know the idea of like buying, a, I remember the first uh, non Nintendo or Sega console I ever bought was a PS three. Um, and that was like well into its life cycle when it was already like starting to drop in price and stuff. Right. Um, But I'm glad I did, because, I mean, there's great PS3 games. But I will say, I'm not going back and playing the PS3 that often. I only really use it to watch Netflix and stuff now.
2: (laughs) Um,
3: Mm, But eventually,
0: when Last of Us 2 comes out, I'm going to get a PS4.
2: There you go. Good idea. There you go, folks. All right, let's move on to a game called Gitaru or Guitaru Man. Uh, This is a track called B Jam Blues, and it looks like this one's credited to Coil. Do you know anything about that artist, Andrew? I do not. Uh, It
1: might just be some band that they had to do the music. I don't know much about it. I had to do a little searching, so I might be inaccurate. I do
0: love the... I love the pun name, the riff on C jam blues, and this <laughs> yeah. is B jam blues, but B-E-E, like the yep. like the animal with the little bug, B. The puns are absolutely on point for sure. <laughs> so this
2: game, uh, I'll have to look into the main composer of this game maybe while we play this, but yeah, so for whatever reason, maybe this was a an outside group that was uh, brought in for this. Let's take a listen to B jam blues from Gitaru or Gitaru Man. Here we go.
1: Everybody, there's a new king in town. Get ready. Mojo, mojo,
3: mojo, king!
2: You guys listening to Jam blues uh this is performed by coil which i can assume is some sort of band this is from get room man for the ps2 and i looked up and the primary composer on this game is tomohiro harada yeah
0: you know the name cool. "Gitaroo" man almost sounds like it's a pun, like "get a room, man." <laughs> yeah, I never know how to pronounce it. I mean, and with with tunes this sexy and funky, you can see why people would need to get a room. Man. I think it was
1: just you know a Japanese kind of pronunciation of guitar or something. Maybe I don't know guitar. Right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Or they just added something to the end, you know, kind of thing. But,
0: this is cool.
2: There's a lot of, like, funky wah oh, yeah. stuff going on. It's super yeah, this funky. Is, this is a party.
1: I kind of like funky stuff as well, so yeah. Did you uh,
2: spend a lot of time playing this game?
1: Um, no. So I played this on a demo of the game, actually. And oh. this was the song on the demo. Uh, it's like a, you know, a rhythm game where you use a guitar to, like, attack enemies that are so like the b the b guy is the guy that's playing the trumpet in this song and you're playing the guitar like in response okay um and it's just really funky and cool and i played it a bunch of times just that demo because i love this song so much mm-hmm. but yeah i haven't played the full game yet i think i did get a copy that i intend to play uh it's a ps2 game so
2: very cool yeah for some reason i i i I thought it was just like a Japanese-only game, but maybe I was just remembering that. Wrong. I,
1: I just don't think it had a lot of reach outside of Japan, probably.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to a game and a soundtrack that uh, Will and myself are very big fans of. This mm-hmm. is a pick that we were not expecting uh, from the score. If you, if you told us you were going to play a track from Rayman Legends, um, this is not what we would expect. That score was composed by Christoph Heral and Billy Martin. And I'm pretty sure that this particular piece of music was actually not handled by them. I, I can't recall. This is one of the arrangements of uh, a famous uh, rock pop song. The game has a few of those. And if I'm not mistaken, all of those were done by um, a different group of people, like some oh. sort of team, I believe. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, uh, I'll have to look into that more. But in any case, this is a hilarious (laughs) track called Mariachi Madness, which is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's an arrangement of Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all I can say. Let's just take a listen to this from Rayman Legends. Here we go. Based on that evidence, I, it's pretty safe that this has got to be Christopher Rall. Will, was, <laughs> Will, wh- why do you think this is uh, Christopher Rall? Well, no
0: one toots a kazoo quite like he does. His <laughs> tone production is distinct. Yeah, that's uh, so fun. I I love all the musical stages in Rayman Legends. It's one I of wish the high there were more of that of game. Yeah, it's, that's that my game only is criticism. so great and it's, it's so funny. I love music used as humor. Um, and the music in that game is funny because it's able to take itself seriously at times mm-hmm. and then just be so ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And I just really admire Christoph Heral's approach to humor in his music and it all starts Mm -hmm. from like he's working just as hard as any composer to write great and memorable themes and to have really beautiful and tasteful arrangements and then he can turn things on their head and you know at one moment you're hearing a beautiful English horn solo and then the next you're hearing kazoo and stuff it's like you need that contrast um in the context to be able for the silly stuff to make sense and have the greatest effect but it's one of the most charming things about both those rayman games i really hope that ubisoft studio makes another 2d oh yeah um animated like i'm really glad that i went back and
2: replayed this game we bought it for the switch and i gotta say like playing it on the switch it. It it felt like it was just released. It felt like it was just as fresh, just as exciting. A classic, um, for sure. Yeah, it's just so, so, so good, and the score is phenomenal. Um, All right, let's move on. Uh, Really excited to see this on the playlist. Andrew brought in a track from Shovel Knight, Mm -hmm. composed by Jay Kaufman, and the track he brought in is the best track in the game. So good job, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, This is, again, another Stage 1 theme. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, This is Plains of Passage, also known as Strike the Earth. Let's check it out. you guys are listening to strike the earth composed by jay kaufman from shovel knight so take us back andrew to the first time you played shovel knight what were some of your first thoughts when you played this game
1: sure uh that it's one of the best video game soundtracks in existence probably <laughs> uh, definitely one of the best chiptune soundtracks uh, yeah. one of the best modern soundtracks um, absolutely i love the games uh yacht club games is awesome i i Whenever I go to PAX, I try to, you know, go to their booth and get merch or play their games. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just love how they keep adding to Shovel Knight, <laughs> all these free expansions, if you already have the game. I can't um,
2: wait for Shovel Knight Dig.
1: Yeah, I did not get to play that one. I went to PAX Wait, recently, what is Shovel Knight Dig?
2: Is that that's, a new um, game? It's a new upcoming game um, composed by Jake Kaufman and Will. There's a there's a trailer that they put out, and he, sh- he unveiled the sound palette that he's going to use for the game he's using this this his own kind of combination he basically calls it almost like the Genesis and SNES combined it's going to be this like dream 16-bit sound where it's going to have samples and FM synth together
3: Oh, yeah dude. That's so so it'll be cool. a different sound
2: yeah and playing man. King of
1: Cards recently too like I remember hearing there was another remix of it on there of this song I believe too mm. and I like that one too it was like a more kingly I guess yeah version
2: loved king of cards yeah very very cool okay so this is this is interesting um andrew has one koji kondo track on his playlist and it's not wow. necessarily the one that <laughs> i would expect um but I, i'm a fan this is from the legend of zelda ocarina of time andrew brought in temple of time a good choice composed by koji kondo let's take a listen mm-hmm. You guys are listening to Temple of Time, composed by Koji Kondo, and you know one thing, I don't know why, just thinking about it now, but I don't think I've heard anyone say this. Do you think that this influenced at all the main theme to Halo?
0: Is there a world where this was an influence?
1: That's possible. I really don't don't
3: think so. I mean I I never thought of
0: drawing from music of common origins, but it is possible in the fact that this is so amazing and that this game (laughs) was so popular that it might have been floating around. I mean, yeah, it is like they're both Dorian, Gregorian chants with male chorus.
2: Uh, and if you think about the start of better, the Halo
0: main theme, it's it's
2: just voice as well, which has made me think about that.
1: Yeah, like, I picked this one because, I don't know, it just had an impact on me when I first played Ocarina of Time, just first walking into the Temple of Time. You're just, like, yeah. hit with this amazing, you know, choral track, and it's like, oh, I'm part of something bigger than myself. This is, like, really important.
0: Well, the other amazing thing is that this piece of music is purely... Uh, monophonic it's one mm-hmm. melody line um, and it, it's written to capture the sound of monastic chants which would happen in these large churches or cathedrals which have such you know opulent structures and they have really long decay for reverb so one long line melody can kind of it have, can sound very full yeah, and a,
2: i think a, a that a koji did, did a line. brilliant job of capturing that on this very limited hardware i mean right. This is one of the most successful examples on the score of of that kind of yeah. atmosphere and immersion. It really
0: sounds great. It just it still holds up.
1: Yeah, I really loved like just the game, how it handled music because it's so intertwined yeah. with the game like with the ocarina stuff. And then you mm-hmm. hear those themes throughout the world as well, and you play them on the ocarina to solve puzzles I and know. Stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very ahead really, I mean, its It's time. absolutely such a masterpiece when it comes to video game music. So many things he did under the hood, so many broad strokes things, the quality of all the music, the diversity of the themes, and how yeah. immersive everything can be while still having these memorable character themes. It's it's such an absolute masterwork. And what I love about this Temple of Time theme is... It feels like it carries the spirit of his jingles, yeah. you know, um, yeah. even like that, da, 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 or even da, 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 you know, Koji's always known for in the older games, having musical sound effects like that in right. uh, Ocarina of Time kind of plays around with some of those. And then he writes new ones in the fact that all of the melodies you play on the Ocarina have to be able to be condensed to just like five or six notes. I think is so amazing, and this one in particular is. I think it's such a great almost doorbell. Da 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 da. Absolutely, yeah, it's great. Ramin Djawadi owes Koji Kondo, I think, a big check. <laughs>
2: well, let's move on to. Um, when I think of Andrew, I will always think of this track. Uh, this was first played in a show and tell. And we gave credit on that show-and-tell. I think it was show-and-tell 2, the second time we ever did a show-and-tell, gave credit, said, oh, you know, this was actually brought to our attention by Andrew. Uh, this is from Interstate 76, uh, which is an incredible straight-up funk soundtrack for the PC A kind of obscure game i definitely was not familiar with this game uh, before andrew showed me this this is called spineless funk um, and this game was composed by arian salazar Uh, let's take a listen to this incredible funk jam spineless funk You guys are listening to spineless funk composed by arian salazar also known as the original bassist to third eye blind obviously which you can tell <laughs> by this no not at all uh this is from interstate 76 and he just went all out with this authentic 70s funk sound recorded really well with some great players the score just the whole score just has this level of authenticity uh I was so excited all those years back when When you show this to me, Andrew, and it's really become a podcast classic, I think this is the fourth time now in the history of our show that we played this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I still will attest. I said this the first time we ever played it, uh, and I still think it's true. This is the funkiest thing we've ever played in the history of the show. Yes, I I think it can't. be I think it is. It's so. It's like if you. It's like
1: if you. It's like if you took funk and then like compressed it down and put it into like (laughs) a tube, and you're just like just consuming the tube. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of <laughs> my favorite things
0: funkiness. is the low synth bass doubling the hits. Yeah. And then the it's high so kind of string 80s. stuff on the bass. Beep, beep, beep. The slapping. Beep, beep. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like one of the change, only. Too. It's one of
2: the only audible electric bass parts you hear because, like you said, a lot of it's doubled with that. That really present synth bass, but then one of the only things you hear electric bass is that bout, bout, those two slapped notes. It's just so simple and minimal. Carl, but, what do you think yeah, of the everything on this track. track? Really, really good drumming. Very tasteful. so locked in. The sound is perfect. I mean, they really captured that kind of dry yeah. '70s sound. I would love to. Um, but yeah, I
1: would love to see you guys like play more from this album too. Yeah. It's- Really yeah, we're
2: going to absolutely have to do that. Maybe maybe we'll do a 76 spotlight.
1: <laughs> yeah, and reading up on it, like they used like period-appropriate equipment to record this stuff, too.
0: Yep.
2: Right. Yeah, they used a bunch of thinking vintage of gear. They the, I, recorded I
1: guess
0: the, it 70s, the is, 70s is long enough ago that you could consider it period. But when mm-hmm. I think period, it makes me think of like Victorian England. <laughs> but you think about how long ago... The '70s was. I mean, we're 20 years into the 21st century, so that's like 1970 was 50 years ago. Pretty crazy. That's kind of. That's just. That's weird for my brain. That doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, I mean, this score is very ahead of its time. I mean, the fact that you
2: had an entirely real, performed and recorded PC score for the mid '90s. It was not not very common. Um, maybe like I guess slightly later '90s because I don't know. I'm. I think this. Must have been after Do you remember what year this came out, Andrew? Because I, I imagine it was after the um It was
1: in the nineties sometime, I think.
2: Honestly, it was probably right around that debut Third Eye Blind album. I think that came out in ninety seven. And this was probably around that time.
1: Right. So like it was performed by Bullmark, which is like the band that they got together. That's what he that's what them. he called that yeah. band, yeah. It says March nineteen ninety seven, so
2: Wow, same. that was a big year for Arian. <laughs> um, let's move on to a Genesis score originally, also ported to a lot of other systems, Super Nintendo. The, tr- the version we're going to play is actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, this is a PC version, right, Andrew?
1: Um, I think it's PC in like Sega CD or Saturn, I believe.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, this is a game that saw tons of different ports. This is Earthworm Jim, composed by Tommy Tallarico. Let's take a listen to New Junk City. You guys are listening to New Junk City, composed by Tommy Tallarico. Originally, when the game was released, it was credited to Mark Miller. And it was, um, as Tommy mentioned in our interview all those years ago, it's more of a legal issue where um, he he gave Mark that, that credit, even though Tommy actually did compose the score. Yeah, this is an interesting version. I don't think I had ever heard this particular version before. Whenever I think of Earthworm Jim, it's just Genesis all the way. But um, yeah, this in some ways is a better version because you get to hear it a little bit yeah. more fleshed out. So
1: I played this game on PC originally. Um, and so this is the version of that. It was actually the special edition. And okay. when they like did the HD re-release later, they didn't use this mm-hmm. version, which really baffled me because this is, in hmm. my mind, the best version of the soundtrack Um, Yeah,
0: it's the most expansive, that's for sure. I think people have just nostalgia for the old... Stuff you know, yeah. even if it's maybe objectively not as strong, there is something charming about you know. You want to hear in a piece of music like this, it just sounds like classic video game music. You kind of want to hear it on FM or SNES. Well, I don't kind of know. Of just for
2: me personally, when I think of Earthworm Jim, it just it's I almost forget that it's not
0: just a Genesis game. It's just such right. a Genesis mm-hmm. vibe to me. You know, like you just. Yeah, it reminds me I was saying that it kind of reminds me of like Sonic Spinball Just because of how like dirty and gnarly So I'm pretty
2: is. sure, Andrew You you probably keep up with uh, this stuff Maybe more than I do but Oh, there the Roblox is, thing? There, there, well, not just that There oh. is going to be a new Earthworm game, right? Oh, yeah, on the Amico
3: Yeah
2: Right well, that'll be cool. Yeah. So is, is Tommy doing... Because he hasn't, like, officially composed a video game score in years, so is he... That's a good question. Is this going to be his first video game since score in a long time? he was doing time?
1: the Video Games Live thing. And I actually got to see Video Games Live uh, back in, like, early 2011 when they were in Minneapolis. But I don't think they were That's back awesome. since. And I remember asking him if he, if he was going to do Earth from Jim tracks, and I think he hinted that some someday, you know, he was composing them at the time or arranging them for the orchestra. Um, how he right. was going to do it. Um, eventually he did, I believe. And then he like released, you know, the quality versions of everything on a, on a vinyl album right. and stuff. And if, yeah, for the new earth from Jim, I imagine he would do the soundtrack cause who else would do it?
2: Right. Maybe it would be, I could see it also being a collaboration with some
0: people, but I'm sure he'll at least contribute.
1: Yeah.
2: The
0: other, you know, the interesting thing um, about, uh this track is something that i really love it does a uh, sort of classic technique of the that opening riff is five notes yet it happens in a track in four so it keeps getting delayed it's almost yeah. like a yeah it's
2: it's really cool it's
0: groovy yeah i love that kind of when a piece of music can do that you know when you have a odd number of notes that need to fit in an even number of rhythms and then keeps getting recontextualized across the bar line and everything
2: well let's move on to another good example of andrew bringing in a piece that we probably normally wouldn't play on this podcast slightly more atmospheric kind of video game music this is from resident evil 2 this is the front hall composed by masami ueda You guys are listening to The Front Hall from Resident Evil 2. This is composed by Masami Ueda, and Andrew was remarking while we were listening to this that this does such a good job of capturing the sense of dread, and yeah, there's there's this heavy darkness to this uh, music, and it, it perfectly captures the emotions in this game. I was so terrified by Resident <laughs> Evil 2 when I played it uh, when I was, I was probably like maybe 14, 15 when I played this on the PC, and it's a great game, but, yeah, it's so terrifying. Yeah, I'm really curious about series. checking out that
0: remake.
1: That oh, it's phenomenal. You should play it, definitely. I want to try
0: it. I've heard it's great. Yeah, I love Resident Evil 4. Um, to me, that's, like, the total sweet spot. So any of the games that feel more like that, like, I played a little bit of that, what was it, Revelations for the DS, Mm -hmm. the 3ds those games are good that that was like very survival horror it reminded me a lot of 4 but the series seemed to like get more actiony but i haven't checked it out since it's the new console generation i know people really loved resident evil 7 um and i'm curious to see you know yeah, More, I loved 4.
2: Of... That was probably my favorite in the series. I also did love 5. I thought I had a good time with, with 5. And I really did love 2 back in the day. Yeah. Um, but it was a totally different feeling and emotion. And there, I will say that as much as I love 4, there was something lost when they switched the style of game because part of what's scary about Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 is that it's clunky and that you don't mm-hmm. feel like you have a lot of control
0: over the character right. and what you can really do. And so you feel helpless. Right, and yeah. so, See, I love when a video game can kind of justify its control scheme. It's one of the things I love so much about Metroid Prime is it's like it's intentionally the sort of clunky uh mm-hmm. N64 controls for a shooter and it's like she has to literally grab her arm to lift it up because it makes you feel like you're in this clunky yeah right suit. I think you and guys would really when the game can justify its mechanics yeah
1: I think you guys would really like the remake then because it's like kind of the perfect combination between like the newer style you know over the shoulder camera type mm-hmm. games and the old like survival horrory you know hardcore type games so I I think it's great
2: awesome I will definitely have to check that out. Sweet. I love this change of pace. It is incredible contrast here. Uh, (laughs) We're now going to move on to Sonic 3D Blast Sega Saturn version composed by the delightful Richard Jakes. Such a great composer. One of the first uh, game projects that he worked on. Uh, Let's take a listen to Green Grove Zone Act 1. are listening to green grove zone act one the sega saturn version composed by richard jakes and it's so lovely and kind of hilarious just how different these two versions of the soundtrack are they're both really good um and richard jakes just um man he really has his own sound
0: overall richards i think is is the better soundtrack i think so too
2: overall yeah, I, whenever I listen to this track now, I'm always going to think of uh, that remix that I did. I mm-hmm. put so much time and effort into that remix. I, I was for a while contributing to um, Dwelling of Duels, which is this really cool monthly VGM remix like competition. And I did it a, f- a few times, and this one I was really gunning for first place. I, I ended up getting second place, but um, yeah, I, I did a remix of this. And one thing that I did later on in the track is I did actually play the Genesis Green Grove melody but then kind of go back to the Saturn and then at one point they're like both happening at the same time so I thought that was kind of an interesting idea right. but um, yeah I definitely yeah, this like is a the great track
0: the Green Grove from the June Senoue version stronger I mean that's like such a classic Sonic track and, but uh, overall, it's like, oh, I think I really enjoy every one of Richard's compositions. And this is a great melody and it's really fun and kind of jazz. It's more,
2: it's more consistent. I think um, yeah. there's some bangers on the Genesis soundtrack, but there's some duds in my humble opinion as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, but the... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a classic <laughs> Sonic tune yeah, for sure. I mean, that's so good.
1: Yeah. So yeah, this was another case of me playing, you know, one of these games on a different, you know platform this was actually on pc as well and that's where i played okay, it yeah. and uh yeah so this is how i knew that soundtrack and you could actually play the cd in like a cd player so i would listen to the music yeah. from it too and i remember that's once awesome. i played it in the car for i think it was my aunt my mom and my sister we were on going somewhere and they all loved it so <laughs>
0: oh wow that's cool that's
1: a yeah. cool
2: little story yeah, right?
0: richard jakes he's a great who composer.
2: doesn't like he's... richard
0: jakes <laughs> He's one of my f- favorites of kind of like a Western guy who still writes very melodically and just has a real sense of fun that fits in old school video games. But he found some really interesting ways, particularly, um, uh, what, what was that one game he did where it's like, you can switch to different radio stations. That's Metropolis, Metropolis street racer for the dream. So freaking cool. Like I, I love yeah, the insane. idea of one composer writing all those stations. I mean, you know, like the GTA games like to do that, but they use real licensed tracks. I, to me, that sounds like such a fun idea for a composer that like you have to write the soundtrack entirely by well, and writing then also, not just teams. writing
2: it, but then he recorded all of it so you know meticulously, and those those fusion tracks just sound incredible, like full brass yeah. sections. And
3: he seems yeah, like what such a great a cool composer.
2: Guy. Let's move on to a composer that you guys will know on the podcast as the Professor Layton composer. This is Tomohito Nishiura, but one of the games that he worked on before that series was a game called Dark Cloud Two. Um, and Andrew brought in something from this game. You brought in a track called Vinicio. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Vinicio from Dark Cloud 2 for, I believe, is this the PS2, Andrew?
1: Yep, originally on PS2.
2: Composed by Tomohito Nishiura, who would go on to be known as the Professor Layton Composer. Nice to hear an example of his music before that series. This is such a great track. We have played this um, on the podcast. You had suggested it a number of years ago. This is so relaxing.
1: Oh, yeah. it's uh, Really pretty. So, like, in the game, you have the different dungeons. um, And this was like a beach-themed dungeon. So I think this fits perfectly for that.
2: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, Will, you were really enjoying this track as well.
0: I really like the melody, and it's just so sweet. And there's a certain character to it. I love when, you know, Japanese VGM composers go for like a latin sound there's like a really particular sort of sweetness and approach that it's like i can't quite put my finger on but i've heard so many different composers go for that um and uh, yeah it's just one of my favorite one of my favorite favorite things i didn't even realize it's really
1: good but the green grove act one was also kind of a latin flair type track right yeah yeah
0: they
2: paired really well together (laughs) a lot more like energetic and chaotic and this one is just bringing it all down it really did feel like i was relaxing on the beach that was great well the play out today uh andrew brought in a track from the first hotline miami so we're gonna play out with this one it's called miami and this is composed by jasper Byrne. do you want to set this one up a little bit andrew
1: sure um to me this is kind of like almost like a distilled like feel of the game and what it was going for Mm. that whole like synth wave and it's even kind of like an aesthetic that is also kind of visual too sometimes. And yeah. this is for like the transition screen in the game where it's like tallying up the score for the level and it's a more right. low-key track and calming um, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see like these uh, these palm trees in the background like going by and it's like a really like orange-purple-reddish uh, color scheme. And right. I imagine this is what it feels like to drive like down the beachfront in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when I hear this track. So
2: That's awesome. Well, this is so much fun. Andrew, we want to thank you for your longtime support. Like we mentioned at the top, for sure. our very first listener, ladies and gentlemen. And so this was long overdue. We're so glad you're still with
0: us. Um, and this was so fun to finally do this.
1: Yeah, I loved so, it.
0: Andrew, since you're <sighs> if not our first listener one of our first listeners you were definitely you've been there through the beginning i guess how after much, marty <laughs> how much longer um well and remember jesse uh muller like i remember he listened mm-hmm. to like the first episode he was one of the yeah. first people um, yeah, and then true. like one of my friends from high school listened to it it was, it was like <laughs> three people listened to the first episode um but since you've been there from the beginning how how much longer do you think we sh- we should we got to keep doing this podcast <laughs> I don't when know. can we throw in the towel <laughs>
1: i mean you know once you guys just like get go corporate and jump the shark i mean it's got to be over so <laughs> i
0: don't know right well to me it's like once all of our listeners have their own podcasts i'm kind of like <laughs> i think maybe we need to stop
1: no i like i love what you guys are doing and like that you've kept with it for all these years um like it'll probably be it'll be like what ten years in a couple years here, um, which is kind of crazy, yeah, it's
0: isn't crazy. it? Crazy. It's been eight years. Yeah, and like um, I which love the community. Seem possible. I love the
1: community yeah. that has come up, like the Discord. Yeah, Shout we out do to too. The Discord people, they're all cool. What up, Discord yeah. peeps?
2: Yeah, we we absolutely love the community. That's been one of our favorite things about doing it, and it's been kind of fun too because like we've been growing with the podcast medium because like we started a podcast around the time that a lot of people really started to. Like, they were around before, but it seemed like, at least for me, that was the year when I really started to listen to more podcasts. Right. And it's been cool to see the medium grow alongside that to, you know, such a huge uh, platform
1: now. Yeah. And like I said, like, you guys have grown so much in the time since you started, like...
0: I mean, I've literally grown.
1: (laughs) I was 16, so...
0: You listen back to the first
2: episode. Your hey, voice going, has changed so much. Oh, my God. Yeah, when I, I listened just for, like, a few minutes of, like, episode, like, two or something, like, a little bit ago, just because I was, like, curious to hear Will's old voice. Like, I was kind of nostalgic. And, like, yeah, not only was your voice really high-pitched, but you were just, like, really, like, nervous sounding, just like, okay, so, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I think uh, the next track, <laughs> like, it just, oh, my God, it's just so fun to see
0: how... It's kind of documented. Well, also (laughs) the energy is different. Like when you go back to the old episodes, both of us, like I I just remember... We're super quiet. Like your first entrance on the first... Thanks for joining us. This yeah. is the, po- like we hadn't
2: super uncomfortable
0: inability to <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And it was just so cool. Like uh, early on to like, before you guys even had like listener show and tell or anything, you just had like regular show and tell. I remember I was like feeding tracks to Carl through Facebook messenger and stuff. yeah and it was just fun yeah. watching those, like get on the, on the podcast. Cause I'm like, Oh, people need to hear these. I don't know if they mm-hmm. know about these tracks yet.
0: I also love how many yeah. of the people that used to email us. We've now met in person. At yeah. different magfests or a variety of of things, we've met a lot of really cool people that have been listeners. So that's something I'm super grateful for. This last year was crazy. We met a lot of the Discord folks, and I still don't remember that was pretty wild. actual name. I remember their faces, <laughs> like I I remember talking to that guy Gannon for a long time, but I don't remember his real name. And this is my problem with Discord: is Chill Physics. His name is like a mixture of. Oh, are you talking about Chill Physics? Is Chuck? chuck chuck physics uh <laughs> i everyone i if we need to make a decree that everyone on discord must start using the real name for will is sake. not a fan of
2: <laughs> the aliases
0: well even last week you didn't you didn't want to give zach like proper name credit you were like oh yeah Phazon mash i'm like who are these people i want to know your <laughs> name I don't think it's because I didn't want to. I just think that yeah. uh,
2: sometimes when people have the alias alias eye, that's kind of in some ways how, how they want to be known. Sure. Called me old-fashioned, but. <laughs> well, this was such a good time. We're going to play you guys out with Miami from Hotline Miami. We hope this will kind of be a nice, chill way to, to send you guys off. I think that's about it. Will, do you got anything uh, to plug at the end? Oh, God. Uh, not really. No, I don't think so. Check out my new album. Uh, it's a compilation chip an album, Bit by Bit. You can check it out on our Bandcamp. That's a bunch of different submissions uh, that I've done to battle the bits over the last few years, so check that out. I think that's about it. Andrew, you got anything to plug?
1: Not really. Um, maybe one day I'll uh, start uh, making a game or something, and I'll, if I need music, I'll know who to come to, um, Ooh, since I'm a programmer by trade. Um, been wanting to get into that, but yeah. I'll keep you guys posted awesome. if it ever happens. So
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Andrew.
1: Yeah, thank you guys. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Well, here's to another eight years of us making podcasts <laughs> yeah. and you Go for being it. the listener. My goal is to do it so long that <coughs> we're back to just you as the listener. <laughs> that, like People have so given up on us, but you're still there.
2: Back that, to that would one. make me Still got yeah. you
1: in my feed. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. That's about it. My name is Carl Brugemann. I'm Will Brueggemann. And I'm
1: Andrew Lean. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Peace out.